0: Book of James. Uh, James is the first book that the early church would have had. So, James is writing to a number of Christians and he's trying to explain to them what this thing called Christianity looks like. At this point, really, it's not called Christianity. Uh, these people, most of them, are known as people of the way, people who are following Jesus Christ. And so, James is writing to them, explaining to them what a mature faith is going to look like. What does this thing called faith look like? How does it all tie together? So he's been spending a lot of time. He's talked about the idea of it It has a servant mentality. It has this idea that it's uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It has this idea of works and deeds match. It has uh, the ability to control their uh, their speech. Um, a lot is said about speech. In fact, we're going to look at it again today. Because uh, as James has has already laid out the idea that your speech and your heart are connected. And... If you say if if you really want to know what's in your heart take a look at your speech. It's it's a great indicator. You're going to see that again today. So, um this morning we're going to dive into just two verses but they're kind of packed full that that I think will help us as we head into the week. Um here's what he says. Um James chapter 4 here's what he says, "Brothers and sisters, so we're talking to Christians, do not slander one another. Uh, anyone who slanders against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law, and he judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment of it, uh, on it. So what James does is he, la- he, he starts out by saying, okay, Christians, let's talk to you, those of you who are, who are believers, those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, and he says, do not slander one another. Now, this is an interesting word, and the whole concept of slander is an interesting Bible theme, actually, when you put it all together. Um, Let me give you Webster's different definition of slander. Here's what he says. It's a false tale, or report maliciously uttered and tending to injure the reputation of another by lessening him in the esteem of his fellow citizen, by exposing him to impeachment and punishment, by impairing his means of living. So in other words, what Webster says is it's this idea of saying something about somebody that's going to hurt the way other people see them. Um, it's interesting, this idea of slander in the Old Testament is it's actually one of the sins that's most often mentioned in the Old Testament. Um, in the Jewish world, it, 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 it was one of the big ones, and here's why. It was actually looked at in the Jewish world as going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Some would actually say that it was one of the first sins. Because Satan, in tempting Adam and Eve, slandered God. And he said, look, you need to know this. God's trying to keep something from you. The reason you're not to eat of that tree is because God knows this now it was it was all it was all a deception it was all a lie but he, he originally slandered God. That's why by the way Satan means slanderer, devil, the deceiver. So there is this idea in the Old Testament that this idea of slander is something that that God takes very very seriously. And saying something about somebody else that would hurt how other people see them. And what James does is he starts here by saying, look, Christians, you need to understand that. That has no part in what we believe and practice and do. Um, Slandering should not be a part of what you do. Um, It needs to be out of your conversation or the way that you speak about people. And then he goes on and he says, in fact, You've got to be careful about judging your brother that way. Um, And then he's going to go on, and this is what he says in the next verse. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy, speaking of God. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James says, look, you need to be really careful with this idea of you playing God with other people. Now, actually, next week, we're going to look at the idea of you playing God with yourself. But here he looks at this idea of, you need to be careful here about playing God with other people. God's the one who judges. God's the one who deals with it. So that brings us to this whole idea of, is it right to judge? Is it not right to judge? You know as well as I do, probably the most misinterpreted and misquoted verse in the Bible is what? Judge not that you be not judged, all right? So we're going to dive into that passage this morning a little bit, and we're going to make sure we understand what it's saying and what it's not saying. And then we to go back to James, and we're going to apply this to us as we go throughout the week. So it's in Matthew chapter 7. It's part of the Beatitudes. Jesus is the one who's speaking, okay? So listen to what he said. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Well, it seems like he's saying... Don't judge. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. So Jesus is not saying necessarily don't judge. He's just saying be careful when you judge because whatever standard you use is a standard that needs to apply to you. Notice what he says. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And you pay no attention to the plank or the beam. Think of it as a 4 by 4 post that's sticking out of your eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank, there's a 4 by 4 sticking out of your head? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So he says, look, what Jesus is saying is this. Look, before you go dealing with somebody else, make sure you deal with your own stuff first. Here's the problem. We're in a world where we're taught in a culture that says, don't judge and don't discriminate. But here's the thing. There's not a one. There's not a person in here that wants to live in that kind of world. You, the whole world functions on the idea of judgment and discrimination, and rightfully so. So, for instance, let's. You're going to go to work tomorrow. So let's say you head into work tomorrow, and uh, you get there on time, and nobody else is there. No way. And everybody just starts walking in whenever they want to walk in. And you go to the boss and you go, what's happened? I was here on time. And they said, oh, I I don't want to judge people. I don't know why they're late. Well, I thought everybody's supposed to, well, we don't want to discriminate. Do you really want to be in that kind of world? Or you go to a store that says it's supposed to open at 10 o'clock and they just said, you know what, um, we, we're we just going to kind of let people come in when they want to come in. And we're not going to have the structured rules, all of these standards, all of these guidelines that we force everybody into this box. And we live in that kind of world. You want to live in a world where there's no judgment, there's no rules, there's no guidelines, there's no yes, no, black, white, Um, this is the way it is, this is when we open, this is when we close. Look, judgment and discrimination are part of life. Do you realize this morning, every one of you sitting in here has already discriminated today already? You got up this morning and you walked into your closet, or you walked into your your dresser, whatever it is, and you discriminated against all of the other clothes in your closet by choosing what you chose. You looked at all those other clothes and said, you're not good enough today, but you are the chosen one. It's part of life. It's part of life. You, You and I do that all day long. And we've got this fantasy world out there that says, oh, we don't want to discriminate. We want to treat everybody equally. You can't do that. That's not reality. Um, you're in a world which, which says, this, this is the crazy thing that I see with, with the culture now, the culture. People will come up to you and go, um, you know what? I should be able to live my, 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 my reality, my world. You can't tell me how I should live my life. Okay, Do they take it a little bit further. You can't judge me. Stop. Do you realize in that statement, you have just judged me? You have said, you can't do what I'm doing to you. How much sense does that make to you? There's not a reality when it comes to this world. And what Jesus is not saying, look, don't judge. He's saying just the opposite. He's saying, judge, but be careful. You do it with grace, and you do it with mercy, and you do it with love, and you do it after looking at your own life first. You apply it to you first. Then you go, and you go and you try to help your brother. In fact, in Matthew 18, he's going to give this whole rigmarole set of guidelines to say, when your brother is in trouble, here's how you handle it. Because we have an obligation to help each other, even if that means saying things that we may not like to say to one another. So James lays out this principle. He says, you need to understand, as a Christian, though, you don't slander. You don't take things that could hurt somebody else's reputation, livelihood, character, all of that kind of stuff. He says that's something that has no part in what we do as believers, particularly when it comes to family, particularly when it comes to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So James kind of lays all of this out because, you know, again, we have to understand judgment is going to be a part of life. Um. Saying yes and no, deciding right and wrong, that is is part of living life. And the idea that we can live life without doing that is dangerous. In fact, you give me a world without judgment and a world without discrimination, and I'll give you a world of confusion and chaos. Why? Because that's exactly what Satan wants. And if you look at our world right now, that's exactly where we are. Um, Because we're trying to pursue something that that that, that is not reality. So as a Christian, we have this obligation. We have this obligation to help one another, to make judgments. Because again, I'm commanded as a Christian to go into the world and share the gospel. So I'm commanded... To take an exclusive message, there's only one way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to God. To a world that is inclusive, that says there are many ways to God. If I go with this idea that I'm not to judge, well, who am I to go in and tell that person that there's only one way? I go and tell that person there's only one way because God says that's what I'm supposed to do. I do it with love and I do it with grace and I do it with mercy but I have to do it. And we're, we're in this world which go, oh, no, no. And what amazes me is this. We are so worried about offending people. Okay. I'm, this is dangerous territory for me. If I were to ask you whether you like Iowa or Nebraska, <laughs> you would not care one iota about offending me. But all of a sudden we get to this issue of Christianity. And it's say like, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Well no, wait a minute. Don't be offensive in your approach. That's different. But if my message offends you, I'm not going to apologize for it. I want to do it with love, and I want to do it with grace and I want to do it with mercy and I want to do it with compassion but I'm not going to apologize for the message. Can you imagine if I walked up here every Sunday and said, okay, my goal and what I say is not to offend anyone. You go, you wouldn't be able to talk. We'd just come in and leave. I'd say, exactly. That's exactly right. Why? You say, why can you say what I say? Because I'm standing behind and saying, this is what God says, like it or not. James said, look. Slander, no part of your life if you're a believer. If you're going to be a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, if you're genuinely going to grow in your faith, then slander has to be gone. That's what he says. So let's talk about two kind of applications with this and how we play it out in our life this week. Here's the first one. The first one is it. How do you see and talk about other people? As you look at people out there, you need to understand that we have to be very careful about what we say about people. Particularly, I think, especially Christian family. Okay, And Christians, sometimes we are horrible at attacking each other. And we're one of the few groups that shoot our wounded. And I think you have to be very, very careful about how you speak about another brother or sister in Christ in particular. But you have to be very careful about what you say about other people as well. And we are in a culture which actually, and we just come off of this election thing, and you have watched this play out in this election thing. Um, you know me. I don't, I, don't, I don't talk about politics very, very often from this pulpit, very few times. But now that we've had the election, I can say something. So I'm going to say something. Um, You have watched an election. Claire comes home. She comes home with Jean, and then Aaron picks her up on her way way home. So we get about 45 minutes to an hour with Claire. When Claire comes in, usually it's about 5 o'clock or so, and I always have the news on because I want to know what the weather is going to be. And so... Um, and, and Claire's one of those people who just loves gathering as much information as she can. So she's watching stuff. And normally I pause it during commercials, but I didn't do it. And, um, so a political commercial came on and she was watching. I thought, okay, here's my teaching opportunity. So I paused TV and I said, okay, Claire, I said, what did you just see? And she said, well, he was talking about this person, and, and, and they were against this, and they were against that. And they were against that. I said, let me ask something, Claire. I said, did you hear him say anything about where he stands? She said, no. All you heard him do was attack the other person. All you heard was 30 seconds of slander. Whether it's true or not, didn't make any difference. The issue was this. I'm not going to stand up and tell you what I represent. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the other guy. And we're in a culture in which that's how we have learned to work through stuff. And in a political election, that's how we've we've learned that if we just tear down the other person, then we don't ever have to look at what you actually believe. Um we are there was a guy who was running for the county auditor or um, uh, Jim Loomis this past year okay so so let me just give you the whole scoop, okay We are friends with their family. My wife has taught their kids, and um, we have known that family to know what they're like and and everything else so. And, and Claire, one of Claire's classmates, is Jim Loomis's son, and so they're classmates. And she's been over their house, and they've, so, so we know the family fairly well. And um, last night we were at a fundraiser, and we ran into them. And uh, I congratulated them on the on the win thing. Of course, Claire, you got to understand. Claire came home and said, "Grandpa, um, who are you going to vote for, Jim, or, uh, Jim Loomis?" I said, what? She's like, you have to vote for him. He's a really good guy. I go to school with his kids. So she starts giving this political spiel. <laughs> then she goes into Nana. Nana, are you going to vote for him? So our whole family kind of got roped into this. And she, honestly, she's got a political future ahead of her. If she ever decides to go that way. So anyway, so we're going through this whole thing. So anyway, I said, yes, Claire, I'm going to vote for him. I know him. I know what he stands for and, and stuff like that. And, I, and last night I had the opportunity to talk to him for a minute. And I told him, I said, Jim, I said, I I just want you to know I so appreciate as a Christian the way you ran your campaign. I said, I watched you on interviews and I saw you when they interviewed you after you won. And I said, at no time did you play the game of attacking the other guy. I said, you just simply said, this is where I stand this is what I'm going to do. And even when they baited you, I saw interviews where they tried to bait him. Even when they tried to bait him, he didn't take the bait. He just said, you know what? That's a question you'd have to defer to him on. I'm going to tell you this is what I'm going to do. And this is the way I see it. And we got into this little bit of discussion last night about the idea of, you know, Politics doesn't have to be the way most people are playing it right now. And he said, he said, I have a lot of respect. And the irony is, the guy that he was running against is his boss. And he said, you know what? He said, I have to say this. He said, he was so good about giving me the time that I needed. He said, when we were at work, it was about work. He said, and when we got out there, he said, it wasn't personal. It was about this is the way I'm going to do it, and this is the way I'm going to do it. The reason I'm saying it is this, he's an, exact, he's, an epi- he's an example of exactly what James is talking about here. As a Christian, slander doesn't have to be a part of the way I function. And he could have taken the shots, and he could have gone against him, and he could have played that game, but he didn't. And I say that to say this, I think in Christianity, we get sucked into this when we start tearing people down and we start saying things about people, and we shouldn't do that. Brothers and sisters, don't slander anybody. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have a genuine solid faith, that is not something we do. I think the second idea... It's, it's that idea of how you view other people. But I say the second idea is just some really practical thing. Um, when we talk about this, let me talk to some of you who are younger, um, high school, college, that kind of young, young, married, whatever else. Here, here's what I've learned in life is the life principle that I, I apply. If somebody is a person who likes tearing other people down and slandering them, I just don't want to get too close to them. I can assure you they will not be one of my close friends. Because here's what I've learned. If they'll talk about somebody else, it's just a matter of time before they'll talk about you. So steer clear of them. You're dating somebody and you're finding them always tearing down their ex or whatever else. Run. Run. For those of you that have gone through the difficulty of divorce or separation, all that comes with that, I always try to give those people this advice do not speak poorly of your ex. It will never end well. Um, it'll hurt your relationship with your kids. It'll hurt your relationship with your friends. It'll hurt your relationship with going forward. You need to get that out of your life. Socrates said it this way. He had a filter for whether, when, it, for what he would listen to when someone would come to him about other people. And here was his filter. The first filter, the first question he asked is, is it true? So if somebody came to Socrates and said, Socrates, look, I heard this from so-and-so, and and they are really good, he said, stop. If it's not firsthand information, I don't want to hear it. So the first question was, is it true? The second question was the question of goodness. And the, the issue that he was, is this good and kind? If it wasn't good and kind, I don't want to hear it. The third question was a question of utility. And then it goes goes something like this. Is this necessary information for me? Is there a reason I need to know this? And if there's not, then I don't want to hear it. And I think as we go forward, you know, that's a pretty good... Those are biblical guidelines as well. Is it true? Is it good? Is it necessary? Um. And you know me, I, I I like to get really, really, really practical. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an illustration this morning. I'm going way out there. I needed to find something really bizarre that that I could use, and I needed to find a a victim. So I've chosen Leo because I have the longest relate. You know, I have a long relationship with Leo. We've been through a lot together. We're good friends. Um, I know he can handle this. So. I'm going to use Lael as my example and my illustration. So let's say that, and again, this is all made up. None of this is true. Okay, None of this is true. Okay, So let's say that Lael and I are spending time together and Lael says, come here, there's something I want to show you. And we go down into his basement and he has a room, unlocks the door. We go into the door and it is packed full of wall to wall barbie dolls. And Leo says now there's not a lot of people that know this but this is something that I have collected ever since I was a kid. I've been fascinated with them and I collect them. My wife knows about it. Brian and Dana don't know about this room. My grandkids don't know about nobody knows about this. But I want to show you my collection of Barbie dolls. And I walk in there, and I mean, there's every kind of Barbie doll you can imagine. It's awesome. It's everywhere. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with Barbie dolls, right? But Leo's of the generation, and I'm of the generation, and we're in an agrarian male-dominated culture where people would look at him and go, There's nothing wrong with it, right? Nothing wrong with it. But I have this information. I know this about Lael. Nobody else does. I know this about Lael. Okay? And you and I are sitting at a table, and we're having a discussion, and I decide, do I bring this up about Lael? So let's put it to the test. Is it true? Yes. It's a massive collection. Is it good or kind? Well, these people are probably not going to see it as a good thing. They're going to look at him differently from this point on. And then, is it helpful? Is there any benefit from you having that information? No. So the question would be, when I put it at test, is this something I should share with you? No. Keep my mouth shut. And don't do something that would, in many situations, slander him. Okay? Let's go to a second scenario. I'm visiting somebody in the community, and they come to me, and new family, young family, and they say, hey, pastor, I want to show you something. And they said, We collect Barbies, and I want to show you our collection. And I go in, and they got Barbies everywhere. I mean, every. Everywhere. They, they got every kind of Barbie you can imagine. Let's put it to my test now. Is it true that I know someone who has a collection like this? Yeah. Is it good and kind? Yeah, because how many guy Barbie doll collectors are there out there? You know, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to look at it as a good thing that he does that. Is it helpful? Yeah, it's helpful for them because he may have a Barbie they want and he, they may have a Barbie he wants. Now, is it wise now to share it as long as he's okay with it? Yes. And then I would go to Leo and say, hey, Leo." You're not gonna believe this. I just visited so and so. They have a collection that's as massive as yours. You need to get, you need you guys need to get together and, and share Barbie ideas. <laughs> you see the difference? You see the difference? Now it's a slander, it's actually something that's gonna help him and it's gonna help them, and it's a win win. Let's give you a third scenario. Juanita comes to me, and she says, Pastor, I need your help. Ever since Lale retired, he has become obsessed. Every free moment he has, he is downstairs cataloging his collection. He is online all the time looking for another deal. He has emptied out almost all of our retirement savings. And we have the UPS guy pulls up every day with boxes and boxes of Barbies. (laughs) I have tried to talk to him. He won't listen to me. Will you talk to him? And I say, sure, I will talk to him then here, as a Christian, is what I do. I spend time with God, and I say, Lord, I need you to help me be honest with my own life, and is there something in my life that I've become obsessed with? Again, just for the sake of illustration, is it possible that I've become obsessed with collecting tools. It's just a hypothetical. Is it possible, God, that, although I'm not doing the Barbie thing, I probably have more pliers than a normal person should have? You know, I bought, I bought another two sets this week, okay? And I didn't have to have them, but I wanted to have them. God, is it possible that I don't have the Barbie thing going on, but I do have the tool thing going on? And God, is it possible that instead of spending time with my wife, I'm out of my shop spending time with my tool? Is it possible, Lord, that this is my issue too? And I start dealing with my life that way. Then I go to Lael. And I say, hey, let's sit down and talk. Let's go coffee. we sit down and say, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've really been struggling with this tool thing with me. And I've realized it's just kind of taken over my life. And I'm just buying too many tools, and I'm spending way too much time in my shop. And I love you like a brother. We've been through a lot together. But Juanita's talked to me, and she thinks this Barbie things getting out of hand. That's how I go to a Christian brother. That's how I judge, if you want to call it, after I've looked at my life. I don't do the Christian I don't, I don't do the Christian version of attacking somebody, and here's how that goes we got a group together of friends, and I say, listen, would you pray for me? Because I have to go confront Lael about his Barbie obsession. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm asking you to pray for me. That's a good thing, right? No, no, no. I have slandered him with a prayer request. has no place in the Christian world. I have shared stuff about him and his situation. You had no business needing, and you didn't need to know. I can come to you and say, look, pray for me. i got to talk to a brother who I really, really love, and it's going to be a really difficult situation. Just pray for me that I'd, I'd do it with wisdom. That's okay, but not slandering him in a prayer request. And this is so important that we understand this because James is saying, look, you need to understand, as a Christian brother and sister, you and I do have an obligation to share the gospel with people. We do have an, excuse me, an obligation to confront our brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing wrong, who need to do right. We do have to make judgments. We do have, but we do not do it until we've examined our own life and dealt with our own stuff. And we do not do it in any way that would slander believer or unbeliever. That's what James is saying. And I think if you will take a good hard look at what you say about other people this week, like me, you will start to realize you do this more than you think you do. You know, the hard thing about preaching is you got to realize you're hearing this for the first time. I've been been battling this thing all week. You know, going, I, because why? It's so easy to do. And when you're in a culture that just feeds it, and we're coming off a political election deal where we just feed it, and we've, we've been bombarded all week long for weeks and weeks and weeks about people just tearing down the other person, tearing down the other person, tearing down the other person. And when we have the opportunity to to encourage somebody with our speech, and we have the opportunity to help someone, that's what we need to be doing. And that's why James says what he says in this passage. So I end this morning with this. We live in a world that believes you can have a world without judgment and discrimination. A world without discernment and order is a culture of chaos and confusion. Mature faith sees and responds to everyone through grace, mercy, and love. It doesn't tear people down. It doesn't slander a person's character. Mature faith speaks the truth because it's necessary to help people live the life that a good God has planned for them. Speak well this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Ah, it's so easy to do particularly in our world, which just seems to live with the idea of attacking and tearing down and hurting. Lord, this week, use us to build up, to encourage, to um, share your love with others. Lord, use our words this week to help rather than hurt. These things we ask in your name. Amen.